Numbers chapter 20, but we'll look, we'll, why don't you look at Jeremiah chapter 9 before we go there. Numbers 20 is where we're going, but Jeremiah chapter 9. I'll just remind you of what we're doing and why we're doing it. <clears throat> On a Sunday night, we're going through the Bible, and our plan is we want to see God and how he deals with his people. And quite honestly, some of the things he does leave me scratching my head. Why did he do that? We're going to look at one of those issues tonight. We're going to look at Moses smiting the rock. And because he smites the rock, uh, he ends up being denied the promised land, which was really the culmination of his whole life's work. It was, the man was made to lead the nation of Israel into the land of Israel, and he didn't get to do it because he smote the rock. And you go, why'd you do that, God? <clears throat> but here's, here's what we need to do. We need to understand and know this God we serve. He's not the God we make up in our mind. He's the God of the Bible. He's not unfathomable. You can know him, but what you've got to do is you've got to look to the Scripture and actually take what he's saying about himself at face value and understand it. That's what we're going to do tonight as we look at Moses. But look at Jer Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Aren't those the things that we kind of glory in? Well, I am somebody because I'm wise. I am somebody uh, because I have such and such. I am somebody because I'm strong and I can handle it. Those are the kind of things, the kind of earthly things that we glory in. But look what he says we're to glory in. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things do I delight, saith the Lord. God says, glory in the fact that you understand me. Now, if that's our glory as a people, I want to understand as much as is possible to understand about this God I serve. I want to know him well. I want to understand how he operates, because... He's the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know what? <clears throat> We're going to find that he actually applies the same principles that he applies in the life of Moses to believers in the 21st century. We're going to find that. We're going to find that, you know, <clears throat> uh, he, he doesn't change. You know, he's not capricious in the sense that he, can, you know, he has good days and bad days. and on a, You better not meet him on a bad day. My mother-in-law today was talking about a doctor that she had, and, and if he had his neck brace on, it meant he was in pain, and you didn't want to see the doctor, because the doctor would bite you uh, when he was in pain. And sometimes we think, you know what, God has these good days and these bad days. He doesn't. He's perfectly even. Perfectly even. He always responds in the same way, although to us it doesn't look like he does. And although there are certain things that he does that kind of leave us shocked, you know what that means? That means I haven't taken on board something about him. I need to find out what it is that caused him to do that and then understand it and then learn uh, to live with it because that's who he is. He's not going to change because I don't particularly agree with uh, what he did. All right, okay, now back to number, Numbers chapter 20 and we'll, and we'll pray before we start. Right? Numbers chapter 20, we're going to deal with the first 13 verses and we will have to go and look in some other passages of Scripture. Isn't this weather glorious, isn't it? Isn't it lovely to be warm all the time? <clears throat> it is just nice to be warm all the time. I, I can live with this. Um, <clears throat> we're, we're warm. Numbers chapter 20. 
Uh, let's pray before we begin to read. Father, would you bless us now? Lord, we want to know you better. Lord, each one of these people has come here uh, uh, this evening, Lord, for various reasons I realize, Lord, but, but, but with a heart to know you better. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you reveal yourself through your word to us? Lord, would you help me, Lord? May I say nothing that would actually hinder somebody from knowing you better? Uh, but, Lord, may I not fail to say that which would help them. And, Lord, I pray for this people, Lord. Blessed Spirit, would you, would you open ears and hearts to understand and take on board who it is you are, uh, that we might know you and that we might glory in you and that we might live lives that count because we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Numbers chapter 20. Uh, then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month, and the people abode at Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die here? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. Right, now, <clears throat> this is bad, right? Here's the people complaining, but they've been complaining all along, and we know they have. The only problem here is this is 38 years later. Right? There's 38 years that pass between chapter uh, 19 and chapter 20. And um, this is a lot of the second generation now that are complaining and are moaning. And they've, they've come to a place where there's no water. Now, by the way, does it surprise us that God tested the second generation? No. Well, not. God's always in the business of testing us. God always produces things that looks impossible to us, uh, and, 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 he, and he throws them, and, he, and really, what does he always want us to do when he throws something impossible at us? What does he always want us to do? He wants us to trust him. He wants us to depend upon him. When we see the impossible, that's always God's call to trust. Always God's call to trust. Well, what do we tend to do? We panic, don't we? <clears throat> We panic and we, and we run for cover and, uh, we, you know, we start off that we're all going to die, we're all going to die. I think that's exactly what they're doing here. We're all going to die. There's no water. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Why'd you bring us up here? We would have been better off down there. We'd have been better if we died in the wilderness with the rest of them. Wow. And they panic. Now, that's not what God wanted them to do. Uh, <clears throat> but it's what's in them. Now, God intends to take them. Remember, God's, God's, God's nurturing, culturing, developing a nation. He's, he's going to bring these people pretty soon. He's going to bring them into the land of Canaan and give it to them. So he's building up their faith. He's, he's, he's getting them to the place where they can trust and where they will trust. And part of that is landing them in situations that they can't handle. So that's what he does. That's what God does. But he's got a plan. He's always got a plan. God's never at a loss. And by the way, <clears throat> your failure in faith uh, doesn't unravel God ever. God doesn't look at the situation and say, oh, no, well... I suppose that's that torn. Never going to be able to work that out now. God's always got a plan. He's always going to work the plan out to, uh, to suit his ends. Always going to do it, right? So these people uh, are, are, are faithless at this point. And by the way, uh, let's give them reasonable <clears throat> space here, right? Two and a half million people need water. They don't need you to go and buy a few bottles of water in the spa for them. They don't need you to go and buy clear littles out of water. They need 100,000 gallons a day. 
There's an incredible amount of water needed here now. You've got people, you've got animals. There's an enormous need, and it's run dry. <clears throat> and, you know, the, the, the truth is that, you know, you, you, you can lose people and animals instantly, almost. Three days and everybody's dying. They need water and they need it right now. Now, I suppose that they didn't come to this place, you know, in the first hour of realizing they needed water. I suppose that what happened for them is they came to that place after they realized there is no water. After they looked around and, you know, there would have been a certain amount of faith. Don't we have faith when the circumstances look good? There would have been a certain amount of faith for them where they're believing, they're trusting. And then after a while they would have realized there is no water. And they're looking at the situation and perhaps the, the springs that they've been using have all dried up, but there is no water anyway. And they're looking at the situation and it's terrifying. We're going to die. Our children are going to die. Our animals are going to die. Why did you bring us out here, Moses? Why did you bring us into this place? Right? <clears throat> so, I mean, it's wrong. It's what they always do. But humanly speaking, it's reasonable. They have a major crisis on their hands, right? Now, you and I will have major crises on our hands. They will look impossible. And we're supposed to trust. We're supposed to depend upon Him. We're always going to get in trouble when we fail to trust. Unbelief is the root of all our issues. We sin, do it our own way because we don't believe God and we don't trust God. They're sinning now by murmuring and complaining because they don't trust God. A scary situation but they were supposed to trust God. But th that, that's okay, because God, God has allowed for that. He understands that, and He knows what He's going to do to bring them to a place of trusting in Him. Right? <clears throat> Alright, verse 6. Um, and Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. Right? <clears throat> and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. Right? So Moses does the right thing. He goes to the tabernacle. He lays down. Uh, he cries out to God. And God speaks to him. God tells Moses what to do. God tells Moses how to satisfy this need. And remember, the need is created by God in order to build faith. In order to help these people to depend upon him. But something happens after God speaks to Moses. And let's go through it and then we'll tease our way back. We'll read it and then come back and, and tease our way through it. Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now ye rebels. Must we fetch water out of the rock? Out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand with his rod. He smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their beasts also. Okay, so, <clears throat> you know, Moses, Moses comes to the people and he says, Hear now ye rebels. Now, listen, were they rebels? Yes, they were rebels. They were a bunch of rebels. Why? They weren't believing God. They weren't trusting God. And they were ready to rebel against God and against Moses. And um, <clears throat> they, they were ready to, 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 to go back to Egypt. At this point, they were rebels. That, 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 that was fair enough. But you, you know what you get from the words here? Moses is annoyed. He's extremely annoyed, in fact. I think really what's happened is he's lost the plot completely. 
Now, I can understand why he would lose the plot completely. You see, here he is. He's been with these people now for nearly 40 years. They've been going around and around and around in the desert. Uh, they, they've, they've treated him harshly again and again and again. And I suppose that his hope began to rise as this new generation began to take over. The older generation were dying off. Their carcasses were dying in the wilderness. They were, and this new generation were coming up. And now here he is. And he's facing the same old problems again. And really it's kind of, oh, no, not again. Not again. And maybe this thought came up for Moses. Maybe this, this people are going to get bell against God too. And we're not going to even get, get to go into the, uh, into, the, um, <coughs> into the land now. You know, Moses is facing a crisis. And so he comes out to these people and he's angry with them. He's annoyed. He's annoyed because of the imposition of this people upon him, upon him. He's not annoyed about what they're doing to God. He's annoyed about what they're doing to him. But he's annoyed. He's, he's, he's hugely annoyed. And he lift up his hand with his rod and he smote the rock twice. Now, what did God tell him to do? Speak to the rock. So what did he do? He smote the rock twice. Why did he smite the rock twice? Well, that's kind of our issue tonight, isn't it? Why did he do that? Why did he lose the plot and all of a sudden, instead of speaking to the rock the way God had told him to, he smote the rock? Because this is going to cause him big trouble in his life. Look. <clears throat> and the Lord spake unto Moses in verse 12, And Aaron, because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given unto them. Now, and that's it. It's kind of kaboom. God says, you're not going into the land now, Moses. Moses, look over with me to Deuteronomy chapter 3. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 26 we're looking at. Moses did exactly what I would have done under the circumstances. Um, <clears throat> Verse 23, let's read from verse 23. I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes, and he would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. Get thee up unto the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes westward, and northward, and southward, and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. But charge Joshua, and encourage him, and strengthen him, for he shall go over before the people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley uh, over against Beth Peor. Now, <clears throat> so, here's Moses. Right? Now Moses has a history of God hearing and answering his prayer. Right? <clears throat> you know, on two, at least two occasions, when God was ready to destroy the nation of Israel, Moses cried out to God for them, stood between God and the people, and God heard him and turned around and didn't destroy them. He was going to destroy them and make of Moses a, 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 a great people. And now here we have Moses 
asking something very reasonable for himself. And if we were to have a show of hands tonight, who thinks it's reasonable that Moses should get to go into the land? Uh, <clears throat> we'd probably all raise our hands because you know what we we do. We you know humanly speaking, we look, we feel the man's pain, and um, yeah, he made a mistake. Yeah, he blew it. We understand that, and he needs he needs to be reprimanded for that. But that's a bit harsh, God. That's a bit harsh. What you're doing is a bit harsh. And 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 Moses asks God, "Can he go in?" And God says, "Don't speak to me about it again. You're not going in." It's not going to happen, Moses. This is dealt with. This is over. This is finished. This, this is harshness from the hand of God to this man, Moses, that God told us himself, he's faithful in all my house. The Bible tells us he's the meekest man in all the earth. And God says, no, you're, you're, you're not going in. It's, it's not going to happen. Now, why is God responding to him like this? Let me have you look at another couple of verses before we <clears throat> dig into the question here, right? Uh, look at me at Psalm 106. <laughs> Psalm 106. And we're looking at 32 and 33. Speaking of Moses, as they angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them. Right? But you know what they did? Uh, verse 32, 32 and 33, they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. Do you know what the Bible recognizes that they provoked Moses to this position? The, the, the Bible recognizes that it was what the nation of Israel were doing that irritated Moses so much that brought him to this place. And yet God won't relent. God won't back down on it. God won't move <clears throat> on this issue at all. <clears throat> Moses denied entry and, and that's it. There's no way in for him. Uh, there's no way <clears throat> for God to turn it around. Um, <clears throat> God says no. Now, verse 12 is our key verse here, right? And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given unto them. Right? <clears throat> now, um, God had a plan how he was going to lead this nation and draw this nation to himself. And he had pan-chosen Moses and put Moses in this place. God knew the nation. He knew what they were like. He knew they were fickle. He knew they were faithless. He knew that even after 40 years in the wilderness and after the plagues in Egypt and after the Red Sea and after all of that stuff, he knew they were still faithless. But you know, God was growing a nation. So he knew what he had to deal with and he was going to deal with it. He was going to work with it. And he was going to bring them to faith. And the way he was going to bring them to faith was, they were crying out for water. Water. <clears throat> Moses was going to stand up, speak to the rock. The water, the water was going to come gushing out of the rock, take care of all their people, and they were going to go, wow! What a God! Right now, it's baby steps in faith, in a sense. Because yeah, God has to prove himself to you before you'll actually believe him. That's, kind of, that's, kind of, that's low-level faith, right? Uh, when God proves, proves himself to, to you, uh, you believe him. Remember, the generation before them had seen Israel, Egypt destroyed. And they still hadn't grown in faith. 
But God is, that, that's what God has planned to do. He's going to take and he's going to... Now Moses gets in the way of that. <clears throat> Moses does something that does not sanctify God. That does not set God apart. Moses, the whole attitude and the whole way that Moses deals with this is, you know, he's obviously angry, he's in the flesh, and <clears throat> what he's doing is, uh, he's saying, must we? Moses, you can't get water out of a rock. That's way beyond you, Moses. You're not able to do that. You can't actually get water from a rock, Moses. What are you thinking about? But he says, must we get you water uh, <clears throat> from this rock? And um, <clears throat> then he strikes the rock in anger. And a whole bunch of problems with him striking the rock in anger. Right? <clears throat> but clearly this, he's angry. He's livid. You know, he strikes it once, which is what he'd done before, and it doesn't happen, so he strikes it again. And God brings the water out of it. But he's livid. He's angry. Now, let me say this to you. When you're angry, there is no God. Because you're not angry because of what's happened to God. When you're out of control, there is no God. When you're angry, God has let you down. He's left you in a position that you shouldn't be in. And now, you know, most often we don't sit there and think it through. Because you can't think very well at all when you're angry, can you? When you're angry, you're not thinking. You're, what you're doing is you're just responding. You're just reacting. But what you're saying in your heart and what you're demonstrating by your actions is, God has left me in an impossible position. This is, this is terrible. The only way I can deal with this situation is if I take the bull by the horns and deal with it myself. It's left down to me again. That's Moses. He's in a place where it's all up to me again. You know what? This people, they, 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 they won't do anything right. They keep falling over. They don't believe God. They don't trust God. They're, they're blaming me on everything. And he's all bent out of shape with the people. But behind it all, he's all bent out of shape with God. Now, he's not going to be able to show them God. He is not going to be able to show them God. Moses, go back to your tent and take a lie down because you're just going to make the situation worse. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. It just doesn't. It never does. The wrath of man worketh not. When you lose control, step aside. What you're doing is you're saying there is no God. Now, you've got to understand that. You think of a time when you've been angry. I, I still remember that time. I, a few three or four years ago. Uh, <clears throat> I'm getting ready to go on a plane, and the two dogs go running down the road and I go driving after the two dogs and I see the dogs great and I stop the car and I get out of the car and they look at me and they laugh right now you don't believe dogs laugh but these two dogs did laugh and they ran on again down the road further they thought it was a great game and I'm I'm supposed to be going to catch a plane right now uh, <clears throat> you know and so I followed the dog and finally I caught the dogs and I dragged the dogs back up the road left my car in the middle of the road with the keys uh, in it and the engine running you know anybody could have taken my car I was so furious with those dogs but you know what? There was no God. For those moments, there was no God. There was just Dave having to deal with an impossible situation. It was not fair. It was not right. And ultimately, God had failed me. Because why did he let these dogs do what they were doing to me? Now, I wasn't thinking that. I certainly wasn't verbalizing it. But that's what's going on in the background. 
you know, nobody was going to meet me on the road, <coughs> road back as I was dragging the dogs back the road and say, what have you got, Brother O'Gorman? We, I really want to be uh, like you are. They, they, they weren't likely to see that in me, you know. Uh, all they would have seen if they had met me on that morning was flesh. 100% flesh. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't have preached a sermon in that case, not one that you would have wanted to listen to. Um, <coughs> you know, all there was was flesh. I couldn't demonstrate anything about God. I was just demonstrating me and my flesh. That's what happens when we get angry. Now, here's what we do with anger. We say, well, you know what? The people, they made me do it. Listen, how am I supposed to live with this? I've been with them for 40 years. They haven't learned nothing. They're just exactly the same as they were before. This generation are just like their parents were. They're going to wreck the whole thing. We're not going to be able to go into the, uh, into the land of Israel. How do you expect me to deal with this? And God, by the way, you, you gave them to me. They're not my people. They're your people. You know, he's not going to be able to show anything of God. He's angry. Now, the first thing Moses needed to do was he needed to catch himself on. You say, Pastor, come on. That's ridiculous. No, 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 no. Listen, if you're going to overcome anger in your life, you first of all got to realize that it's wrong and you don't have to do it. You don't have to blast off with those red-hot flashes that uh, terrify everybody around you. You just don't have to do that. That's not going to help you. There is no God in those situations. And you know, in those moments, you're, you're a practical atheist. You're living like there is no God. You need to learn, that's wrong. I should never do that. God is always involved in my situation. Right? <clears throat> now, nothing is going to happen to you this week that God does not take, examine, and say, yeah, I, I want that in your life. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, I, and I don't know what's going to happen in your life, and you don't know what's going to happen in your life, but whatever happens in your life this week, God is going to have first taken it and examined it, and he's going to let it into your life. Now, if God lets it into your life, it's for good. It's not people that are doing it to you. It's not the enemy that's doing it to you. It's the God who loves you, allowing it into your life. Even if it's hard, it's still the God who loves you. And you've got to embrace that. You've got to come to the place where instead of you getting angry about the situation, you say, now hang on a minute. God's in charge here. He let this happen. I don't know about Moses. I don't know what happened to him on this day. Maybe he didn't have his devotions that day. I, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't walking with God. I don't know. You know, maybe he was bored after 40 years walking in the wilderness. Maybe he was just fed up. I don't know what happened to him. But somehow, when the test came for the people and they responded wrongly, and the test came for Moses from the hand of God, Moses responded wrongly too. Moses got it all wrong. He got bent out of shape. He lost it. He, 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 just, he, you know, he, he, he just exploded in a rage in anger. There is a God in heaven, right? <clears throat> and he's in charge of everything. Even the tough, bad things that happen in your life. God's in charge of all of them. In charge of everything. Unbelief sanctifies something other than God. It sanctifies flesh. That's what happened here. Unbelief led to anger, right? <clears throat> now, what should have happened... Well, what should have happened is 
Moses should have caught himself on and said, now hang on a minute, this is bad. This is not what I expected. By the way, things are going to happen in your life that you're not expecting. Sometimes when we're expecting them, we can, kind of, you know, <clears throat> we can kind of build ourselves up to them and do the right thing. I think earlier on in the game, Moses was always expecting these people to do the wrong thing. I think, you know, he was always expecting, you know, they, well, they're going to do the wrong thing because they always do the wrong thing. And, and you know, so, so <clears throat> when God would get angry, Moses would say, no, Lord, no, don't, 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 don't destroy them, Lord. I know, I know. But Lord, the, 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 the Gentiles are going to look and they say you couldn't look after them. And, and Moses would spring into action from that. But I think at this stage, you know, <clears throat> he's come to the place where it's different and he misses out on the reality of God in the situation. And fa in faith, what he needed to do, he needed to say, well, hang on a minute. God knows this, people. He understands what's going on here. And if he's letting them try me in this way, then he's got a purpose. He's got a reason in it. Okay? Are there people in your life that are trying you? Are there people in your life that are making life difficult for you? God doesn't know about it, does he? Of course he does. God's allowing it. Moses missed that one. God's allowing it. You see, he needed to have faith. God always gives me what I need. God always takes care of me. And even in this situa situation, he's taking care of me. Now, faith leads to obedience. Right? <clears throat> faith leads to me doing things God's way. Faith leads to me following God. Now, <clears throat> when it came to following God here in this thing, Moses may not have fully understood why he was to follow God exactly, but he was supposed to follow God exactly anyway. He was not supposed to strike the rock. He was supposed to speak to the rock. Because God had a purpose in that. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk about God's purpose in it. But faith leads to obedience. And obedience is the key issue with God. You see, Moses accused the nation of being rebels. And fair enough, they were rebels. But in this moment, Moses became a rebel as well. Look at me at 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel 15. Verse 22. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. This is Saul now uh, with the Amalekites. Uh, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of God, he also hath rejected thee from being king. Saul lost the kingdom because he disobeyed. Now what he did was, he actually obeyed the wishes of the people and disobeyed God. And God said, you're a rebel. Right? And he said, rebellion is as, is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity. <laughs> and idolatry. That's, that's, that's strong words there. And the, the Bible doesn't use words uh, for no reason. When God says it's <clears throat> rebellion is a sin of witchcraft, you know what happened for Saul? Saul switched sides. Saul was actually working on the side of the enemy. And you know what Moses did? Moses did the same. Now, he didn't intend doing it. He didn't have any plan to do anything like that. 
But what he did was he actually switched from being on God's side to being on the enemy's side. Don't we think there's a neutral territory in between and the neutral ter- territory is kind of big? Okay, so I'm not doing exactly what God wants me to do, but I'm not doing that much wrong either. See, there is no neutral territory. You're either obeying and serving God or you're serving the enemy. It's one or the other. You, you know, you're not in this, this kind of a nebulous land that's kind of neutral and there's nobody involved in it. No, you're either serving God or you're serving the enemy. And <clears throat> what Moses does here is going to fail to do what God wants him to do completely because he disobeys and is going to actually make things worse. Because God intends to lift these people up and pull them up. Um, You see, here's the truth. If we follow the word obedience through the scripture, we find it's absolutely essential with God. If you love me, obey me. If you don't love him, then you're not obeying him. If you're not obeying him, then you don't love him. If you love me, obey me. God wants you to obey. (coughs) How much does God want you to obey? Well, he wants you to obey him. All the way. Remember we looked at Uzzah? Uzzah touched the ark. And you go, Lord, why'd you kill him? That, that's a slapping across the hand for uh, offense. No, no, God it wasn't. You see, <clears throat> when Moses disobeyed God here, it went deep for God. You know, <clears throat> One of the things, by the way, that's hard to believe here that <clears throat> is that God actually brought the water. <clears throat> you know, God could have left them there with that water on the head of this. Moses was not doing what he was supposed to do, so uh, it would have been easy for God to say, okay, all right, Moses, let's see you. Okay, go ahead. You're going to bring them water? Well, let's see. Go for it, Moses. Let's see how long it takes. He was going to be a long time with his rod beating a hole in the ground to get water for them, wasn't he? Now, God did it for his name's sake, but he was upset with this whole thing. Moses had disobeyed. So the first thing we see here is that Moses did not believe God. He didn't trust God. Now, the second thing, that, that's pretty serious, and the second thing is probably even more serious. When Moses said, must we get you water, he was taking the glory for himself. Now you don't do that with God. You just don't play with God's glory. You know, <clears throat> that's the most dangerous game you can play. For God to do something and for you to take the glory for it is the most dangerous thing you can do. He is a jealous God and he will not share his glory with another. God steps in in those moments. He always steps in. And if we actually look at it in the sense that God was a jealous God and Moses took his glory, it's a wonder God didn't kill him. It's a wonder that God didn't actually take him out on the spot. In fact, there's an enormous amount of mercy being shown to Moses at this point. Because God could easily, for for, for this sin, have removed him uh, from the situation completely. God could easily have taken him out because what he was doing was he was interfering with the glory. And not only was he interfering with God's glory, it wasn't kind of in his own heart saying, yeah, I did it. What he did was he got all the nation arrayed. And then he said, must we? 
And all this nation, if they got anything out of the situation, are going to get faith in Moses. And faith in Moses is a sad thing to have. Faith in any of us is a sad thing to have because we can't do anything. And so the second thing is he took, took God's glory. <clears throat> the third thing uh, <clears throat> is kind of an interesting one. Um, part of the reason why Moses struck the rock is because that's what he did the last time God told him to get water from a rock. You know, God told him to strike the rock, so he struck the rock. He was livid. Uh, perhaps he wasn't listening very clearly. Uh, he was bent out of shape. He was taking the glory to himself. And um, <clears throat> he struck the rock. Now, you know what? That can actually be a problem for us. It can be a problem for us in this. What, <clears throat> what we tend to do is, we tend to let our experience color our interpretation of what God wants from us. Well, we've always done it this way. So therefore we need to do it this way now this next time when God may be saying something different to you completely. You see, here's what we need in our relationship with God. We need fresh oil all the time. We need to hear from God in a fresh way. We need to hear what God wants us uh, and we need to obey it. He's not always going to do it the same. I mean, it was a good plan. Strike the rock and the water's going to come out of it. Okay, so I'll do, do it the second time. Yeah, well, the second time wasn't going to work. The second time was a totally different thing uh, with God, uh, and God did not want him striking the rock the second time. He wanted him speaking to the rock. So understand this, that <clears throat> what happens for us is we'll look at what we've done in the past, and we'll say, okay, God's going to do it. That, that's the way God does it. That's the way God, God is going to do it. He's going, he's going to do it. Or, or even worse, what we'll do is we'll read a story and um, we'll see what God did in somebody's life and we'll say, okay, so that's how this thing works, right? So you pray uh, for six months for revival and then what happens is you get a, a word from God and then you have revival because we, we, we read that's the way it happened for somebody else. Hey, we can get ourselves in a whole heap of trouble doing that kind of stuff. You need to hear from God. You need to hear from God from your life in this uh, 21st century. And God's well able to communicate with us. He doesn't need you hearing from somebody else. He wants you to hear from him. God wants you to hear from him. God wants you to take <clears throat> and, and get fresh oil from him all the time. See, this is a relationship we're in. We're, we're, we're not in something, you know, where we're dealing with the history of it. No, no, no. I've got a fresh relationship with God. I need to Go to him. I need fresh oil all the time. Don't get stuck in what you did in the past and decide that's the way it is. You need to hear from God. The first time, Moses was perfectly right to strike the rock. The second time, it was completely wrong. You need to be, uh, understand that. It's not always going to be the same way with God. And that, that puts us in this terrible place where we've got to hear from him. You know, if I'm going to obey God, I've got to hear from God. I've got to walk with God. I've got to hear from God. And I gotta, every day I've got to go to him. I've got to hear from him. I've got to know what he wants me to do. All right. Uh, number four. Let me put it to you this way. The bigger you are, the harder you fall. All right. Uh, <clears throat> here's Moses. Uh, Moses is now well on in his relationship with the Lord. You know, he's known God all his life. He's walked with God for 40 years, or the better part of 40 years now. He knows God pretty well. And God knows him pretty well, too. And God has stood behind Moses and lifted Moses up 
again and again and again. You know, we saw when Miriam and Aaron went after Moses, God struck Miriam with um, <clears throat> leprosy. When Korah went after him, last week God destroyed Korah and all, all his people, he took, he took them all out uh, for it. And what God has done is God, God has found a man he trusts. And so what he's done is God has actually given him a great position. Now, because of the great position he has, if, if God has to remove him or rebuke him, it's going to have to be pretty harsh. It's going to have to be pretty obvious. You know, God, God can't just give Moses a swat in the background because, you know what? Moses is a public person now. A public person with great backing from God. Somebody, I, I read somewhere ages ago, <clears throat> and, uh, and they tried to explain it like this, right? <clears throat> you know, if you're working, working on a four-foot platform, right, and you stumble and fall off your four-foot platform, well, more than likely, no problem. You know what I mean? You, you, you fall four foot, you kind of pick yourself up and dust yourself off, and your, your, your pride is terribly injured, right? Now, if your four-foot platform is 100 feet off the ground, it will take the same, same stumble for you to fall off it. But the damage to you is going to be a whole lot different. And when, because Moses was so highly elevated, what happened was... When he fell, he was going to have to fall far. And everybody was going to have to say, can you believe God did that? And here we are, thousands of years later, we're still saying it. Can you believe God did that? Well, yeah, we can if we take into consideration the fact of the position that Moses had given him. Now, <clears throat> this is not the first mistake Moses ever made, by the way. Moses murdered a man. You know what? The punishment for murdering a man when Moses was 40 years old was not as heavy as the punishing punishment for taking God's glory when he was over 100. Now, we need to understand this about God. <clears throat> God knows where you're at in your spiritual walk. And you may, you know, <clears throat> in your spiritual walk, when you're a new believer, you may do things and God will say, you shouldn't have done that. And, and there will always be consequences of those things. But the consequences will be little. And, and you may think then later on, after you've walked with God for a few years, well, you know what? I could bear those consequences. The consequences may not be the same at all. The consequences in your life may not be like they were when you were young in the Lord. God may take and God may do something entirely different in your life because of the position he's put you in. So that you can, you know, sometimes kind of skate through but as you grow in the Lord, as you grow to know Him and you grow to walk Him and you grow in your relationship with Him, you, know, you may find that when you step out of line, the punishment is hard to bear. Moses finds this very hard to bear. Moses says, you know, this is, this is so hard. I, ne I don't get to go into the promised land. I don't get to go in just because I blew it. I got, I got in a temper one day. I don't get to complete my life's work. And go, no, you don't, Moses. Because, Moses, what you've done is you, uh, you didn't believe me. You didn't trust me, Moses. You, you didn't sanctify me amongst the people. What you did was you built yourself up. 
You didn't obey what I told you to do, Moses. Uh, <clears throat> you did it the way you did it in the past. I want you to listen to me today, Moses. I don't want you operating out of your past. I want you listening to me today, hearing what I've got to, you, uh, to say for, to you today. Uh, Moses, you're in a whole different position now. You've been leading my people for all these years. I've, I've backed you up. I've given you a name amongst them. Now the fact that you've done this is a huge disgrace. Remember King David? King David sinned against the Lord when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then he murdered her husband. And, but do you know what God caught him for? What God nailed him for? Now, you know, you would think adultery, that's terrible. He should be nailed for that. Murder, he should be nailed for that. But do you know what God nailed David for? Because by this thou hast given the enemies of the Lord great reason to blaspheme. Do you know what God had done on David's life? God had made him king. And what a king. The enemy fell before David on the right and on the left. David was a king. He was, he was a king that conquered an empire. The, much of the known world was paying tribute to King David. This was God's man. And when he did this wicked thing, you know what he did? He blasphemed the name of the Lord. He caused God's name to be brought into disrepute. God was upset with him because of what he did. Do you know what happens in your life when you do wrong? It's not just you. It's not just your name. It's the name of the Lord that comes into disrepute. That's what Moses did. And if you take it from God's perspective like that, you know what? It doesn't seem so strange what God did. It doesn't seem so unusual. Moses, you bear my name. You disgrace my name. You take the glory for yourself. You don't believe me. You don't sanctify me. You do it your own way. Moses, that's huge. Now, <clears throat> we've got one last thing to look at. But before I do, could you do this? Could I do this? Of course we could. Of course we could. One of the things I fear about growing old is this, right? You, you look at older believers sometimes, and what they do is they, 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 they do fine through those years. And they're, they're living for God, and they're walking for God, and, they're, and they're, 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 they're doing it God's way. And then you look at them as they get old, and it's kind of like they go off inside or something. And they start doing it their own way, doing their own thing. Can you and I do that? Of course we can course we can. And you know what? <clears throat> God may have to step into our lives at some point and say, no, you're not doing that. God may have to step into our lives and demonstrate his power and in a sense vindicate his name by showing, no, he's not in agreement with what we've been, we've been doing. God may have to do that. You know, I fear that happening in my life. You know, Paul feared it. Paul feared <clears throat> that after he had thought others, he would become a castaway. He was afraid of it. That, that's a healthy fear to have. Lord, help me. I'm not able. I will mess up every time, Lord, apart from you. Would you help me? Keep me close to you. Keep me dependent upon you. Because I need you, Lord. Moses, great man though he was, got off. Right? <clears throat> now, <clears throat> I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. 
We're almost done. I'm not going to say we're done. We're almost done, though. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. Speaking about the nation under Moses, they were all baptized into Moses. And in verse 4 it says this, And did all drink that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Do you know what Moses did when he struck the rock? He broke a type. See, the first time he struck the rock, because the rock is Christ, the first time he struck the rock was, yeah, Jesus was going to get struck. He was going to be hit. Yeah, he was going to die. But he was only going to die once. And so when it came to getting water from the rock the second time, God told them to speak to it. And it would supply the water that they needed. The rock didn't need to be struck again. The rock was struck once. Jesus was struck once at Calvary. And the rock didn't need to be struck again. The rock is a type of Christ. And <clears throat> somehow, at some level... What Moses did was he broke that type. He broke that picture. So <clears throat> here's what we have. We have Moses losing it. I don't know how long he lost it for. Maybe an hour. Maybe less. But in that hour, what he did was he unraveled so much. Did his own thing, his own way. Took the glory of God created all kinds of problems. In that moment of anger, he unraveled so much in his life and he lost the promised land. It could happen to you and it could happen to me. I realize we're all at different stages in our walks and God's going to deal with us all differently because there are different, we're at different stages in our walks. <clears throat> but you know what? You could step into a place where God has to do something in your life to show that he has totally displeased with what you did. You know, David, when God dealt with David, he did it publicly. Everybody knew. And you know what? David didn't care. He wrote Psalm 51 and confessed the whole thing and got it all off his chest. And you know the result of that? The result of that is we look at David and we say, yeah, David messed up. The enemies of the Lord didn't look at David after that and say, yeah, there, God, he doesn't mind um, people committing adultery and, and murdering people. And they knew, because God dealt with the situation. And understand, God will deal with things in your life and in my life too. God does not just sit idly by, wringing his hands. Oh, listen, he is merciful, and he is long-suffering, and he will take a lot from you. But you can cross a line with God. And God steps in and God deals with it. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord and look to Him and depend upon Him and understand we can't do it, but He can do it all in our lives. You could be terribly afraid of failing or you could be driven by your fear to depend upon Him for everything. And that will be the right place to be. One last word of hope. Do you know that Moses did make it into the promised land? 
a few years ago, this guy, <coughs> I, I read this somewhere, and it really thrilled my soul. You know the Mount of Transfiguration? The Lord Jesus Christ went up the Mount of Transfiguration, and he met with Moses and Elijah. Moses was there. Moses was there. He made it in. I, you know what? I think that's the mercy of God. He just didn't get to go in when he, <clears throat> when he wanted to go in. So, <clears throat> here we have a story. We have God's man messing up, getting it wrong. And we have God stepping in and dealing with it. And he deals with it in such a way that it's perfectly dealt with. Everybody knows this was wrong. God doesn't stand behind it. And yet we see mercy in the life of Moses. God takes care of him. God's the hero of the peace. He always is. Don't look at this story and think, man, God's very harsh. God can be very harsh. But he's only harsh when he needs to be. And he's never without mercy. Never. He always shows mercy. So what we have in this story, we learn a lot about who God is. And we learn how to walk with this God who's the God of the Bible, not the one we made up in our heads now. Who's the God of the Bible? This is who he is. And we walk with him in fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Don't miss it. But alongside the fear, there is mercy, there is loving kindness, there is gentleness, there is all kinds of things if we'll just walk with him like that. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for Moses. Lord, <clears throat> we love this man. Uh, we look at the ministry he had, and Lord, the way you used him, and Lord, the way his name is a great name, even in this day. And yet, Lord, we, we see him fall, fail miserably before you, and pay a high price. But Lord, we understand that it was right, and you were right, and it was the best thing. Now, Lord, would you help us to learn from this lesson? Would you help us to learn, Lord, from Moses that we would not let ourselves get into that place, Lord, where we stray from where you want us to be, but that we would walk close to you, that we would uh, cling on to your coattails, as it were, and that, Lord, we would depend upon you for everything because, Lord, surely there is no one that can help us if you don't. Lord, would you bless your people. And, Lord, as you give us more and as you help us and as you uh, lift us up, Lord, for your honor and your glory, Lord, would you help us to recognize, Lord, that uh, we need to walk with you all the closer because, Lord, uh, failure can be disastrous the higher we go. Now, Lord, bless your people. Keep us close to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.